Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Local New York Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, I'm talking with Marie from Good Eats and Sips out in Skinny Atlas. This was a very fun conversation. I recorded this uh, with Marie a few weeks back, and and I, this is, I mean, this is a, a, a pure compliment. Um, the podcast where I've spoken the least amount of time is this one. And I absolutely loved talking to Marie, listening to her stories, listening to her views on the state of the restaurant industry and getting to know her history in food service and and talking about Good Eats and Sips and how they've kind of progressed through. It was just really a great conversation to sit down and talk with her. And I know that you're going to enjoy this one. Don, if you're listening to this intro, I sincerely hope that we record the um uh, response video, uh, reaction video for, from you, of you, uh, to this podcast, because I think it would be hilarious. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I can't wait to, uh, can't wait for you all to listen to this episode. It's a great one. Uh, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have Good Eats and Sips as part of the Eat Local New York program and to be one of the participating restaurants in the card. They opened up at a really um, difficult time and to open up a restaurant. And, you know, as someone who uh, has been, has spent a lot of my life in Skinny Atlas, you know, our family's always rented a place out there, had a place out there in the lake. And to see this, the landscape of the village change, it's always interesting when you see a new restaurant come into town and especially one like Good Eats and Sips that is so different than the rest of the restaurants that are in town and they've at least from outward appearances have done exceptionally well with it and obviously I say from outward appearances because if you're in food service you're if you're an owner it's always a constant struggle and I think sometimes it's challenging to see your growth from what the public views is your growth being and you know at least from my perspective it's it's very um uh, encouraging. I can't, I'm blanking on the word. It's it's uh, it's just it's wonderful to have seen their their business still two years later, almost two years later, is uh, still succeed. And so I think they're doing a great job. I love seeing them as part of the Skinny Atlas Village landscape. And you know, yeah. Um, our new Eat Local New York card is in. It's not available as the time of me recording this intro, which is Monday the twenty fourth. It's not available for available for purchase yet. Um, later today, I'm going to be releasing on our Instagram account the details of this year's card. But I'm going to tell you here on the podcast because, well, for those of you that have been with us for the beginning, you're the OGs, and so you deserve to know first. Uh, so this year's Eat Local card is really interesting because we've we've numbered each card. So no one card is the same. Uh, each card is unique. It has its own unique number. And the purpose of that is, you know, this year for the card, we're going to be giving cardholders the opportunity to register their local card on our website. And when they do so, they'll sort of be joining the Eat Local New York membership. And uh, that membership is going to come with, it doesn't cost anything besides just buying the card. That membership comes with uh, some perks. We're going to be getting working with restaurants to get further discounts and offers and unique sales that the, our members are going to get exclusive access to. Uh, members are going to get 
early access to our parties and our events, and we're going to be throwing an Eat Local New York member party, uh, one party a year that's going to be free to attend, and it's just going to be a, a, a great time. And so if, if someone purchases their card this year and goes online and registers that card, then they're going to get access to that party. And, and so we're just going to put a lot of, starting to put more and more effort into kind of member-exclusive things. You know, it's an interesting world in trying to create a business like Eat Local New York because we started out as just social media. And while I do have a big Instagram following and we're trying to build that following in other areas of social media, at the end of the day, as we've seen with like social networks such as TikTok exploding and Instagram sort of dying back, um, social networks can just come and go as they, you know, they like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just really kind of public perception and opinion and popularity. But it's very, it's a very real thought that I have of what happens if tomorrow Instagram is done. Well, I've spent so much time building our Instagram account that I'm now trying to focus more on our website and more on creating these sort of like membership things where if you're a fan and a follower of Eat Local New York, you know, you can get access to us and, and stay up to date on everything that's happening from our website, but also by becoming members through things like the Eat Local New York card. And so we're going to be putting a lot of attention into those things and um, and not as much into social media platform specific things, if that makes sense. Um, so that's why we're doing the register of the card thing. Well, we had, you know, 2,500 cards is our first purchase for the local New York cards this year to get printed. So we have 2,500 unique cards that all have a unique number. But 15 of them were errors. We had 15 errors in the printing this year from the factory for the card. And so I decided to make things kind of interesting. And I've decided that if if you are one of the few, the 15 people that get one of these cards with the errors that we're going we're going to make it really special and just put out something really really unique. And so, I'm still finalizing some of the details. But we I've created 15 um, grand prizes essentially. Um, those prizes right now confirmed include be a brewer for a day with buried acorn. You get to go make a beer with buried acorn for an entire day and 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 that's going to be a lot of fun, really exciting. Um uh, one of those packages is going to be, one of those prizes, rather, is going to be free chicken sandwiches for a year at my restaurant, 3 and Fried, where you're going to get a free chicken sandwich every month for an entire year. Um, one of those is going to be build, make your own cheesesteak and have it named after you in the Danny's Cheesesteaks menu uh, for an entire month at Danny's Cheesesteaks. We're working on a big catering package that you can choose from, from Limp Lizard Barbecue, Free donuts for a year from Glazed Confused. You're going to get one donut every single week for free for an entire year from Glazed and Confused. Um, one of the things we haven't confirmed, well, I, won't I won't tell you about the stuff we haven't confirmed, but there's 15 of these different prizes. So if you're one of the 15 people that get these unique cards, you will get access to select any one of those prizes that you want. You get that. You get it. Um, those prizes are going to be first come first served. So if you're number one of 15 that gets that unique card, you get to choose from that list as you choose and that prize goes away. Um, and so, yeah, so we're releasing those 15 unique cards to the first 
batch of cards that go out. The first 100 local cards that are sold, somewhere in those in those 100 are going to be these 15 unique cards. Um, and we're opening up early access uh, to those cards to podcast listeners and to Instagram subscribers. So if you're listening to this podcast and you follow us on Instagram, you can go be a subscriber for $5 a month. We're, we're releasing different content to those subscribers, more detailed content. I'm going to be talking about my least favorite restaurants to those subscribers and videos and posts, something that I don't put out ever to the public. If, if there's a restaurant I don't like, um, I don't talk negatively about them, but to the subscribers, I'm going to let you know about those places I don't like. And uh, so anyway, so if you're an Instagram subscriber, podcast subscriber, you're going to get first access um, to those to the, to the those first hundred cards that we're going to be selling. And we're, we're going to release those cards for sale to you first and foremost. So really excited. I'm, I'm thrilled. It's our biggest launch of the local card ever. And uh, I can't wait. We should have that up uh, up uh, to everybody here in the next week. And uh, we'll make those announcements when that happens. So if you want the first, absolutely first access to it, like up to date, minute by minute access to those cards and when they're going to be released, then be a YouTube subscriber. Um uh, over on our YouTube, or I'm sorry, uh, Instagram subscriber over on our Instagram account. So, uh, and then we're going to announce to the podcast subscribers next week, and then it'll go out to the general public. So, uh, well, that's it. Can't wait to get this year's card out there. And without further ado, without further ado, here's my conversation with Marie from Good Eats and Sips in Skinny I don't know. Have you figured out like social media for the restaurant industry? Um, well, I think like everything, like, I think it's like a, the same recipe for the restaurant industry. Like consistency is key. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it is a lot of work and I don't think the, the owners are able to take that on their shoulders solely. Yeah. Um, I've tried to delegate, um, the social media quite a few times. And I think that now I finally have somebody that is excited about it. And that's the problem. Like finding somebody that's just as excited and just understanding of your brand and what do you want to put out there? Um, so we have an employee, her name is Genevieve Kerr and she's been doing it, um, for a few months now. And she's really good about creating the content, which is like the biggest issue that I was facing, uh, not having a plan every day, just coming in like, okay, Donald, just <laughs> cut some veggies. I'll take a picture of you, you know, and just, ugh, I guess we'll do that today. Um, she, she's able to take some time and sit down and create a plan. And then, at our, you know, uh, weekly manager meeting, she tells us, um, this is my content for this week. And I'm going to need my your help creating this TikTok, mm -hmm. and and you know, so she asked me to do the. I don't know if you saw, like we we just got a bunch of new kids I in saw that, yeah. the fresh meat. I thought that was funny. Yeah, so she asked me to do that, so I did that. <laughs> I did the fresh meat people. Um, so yeah, so it's just like that. I think is working out for me a lot more than it was working before, where it was like solely on my 
shoulders to, to do it. So to delegate it to somebody that's very present in your restaurant, not an outside. Mm-hmm. Because they're not there every day. Right. They can't capture the content that you need versus you know, a full service restaurant, a server that has some interest in that, mm-hmm. that's working four nights a week. Yeah. Come in an hour early. Yeah. Get a few shots. You know, I think that that is key um, for us at least. So I'm not posting four yeah. things a day. No, but, no, yeah. No restaurant is. No. But I think it comes back down to like sustainability. And that's like the whole thing that I've been like obsessed with um, like over the past couple months, just like. How can we, because when we think of sustainability right now, it's just like, okay, like being um, earth conscious or whatever, like being careful about what we're doing, but it's like sustainability in the restaurant industry is like so much more than that. How our choices and the the things that we do um, are going to be sustainable for all the facets of like our lives. So social media, having it solely on my shoulder is not a sustainable method Mm -hmm. of operation um you know and and every decisions that we make right now i'm always going right back to this you know when somebody's like oh you should really consider you should really consider um you know so we have like compostable bowls right because we're a quick we're a how do you call my type of restaurant we fast casual service like right so you order at the counter you get your food uh we serve our food in compostable bowls and we have compostable straws um and that's like kind of like the two things that we're gonna make the biggest impact but then you always get those people that are like oh you should really consider compostable like plastic (laughs) silverware whatever i'm like that's great but that's not a sustainable choice right now mm-hmm. because if you looked at the price, it's eight <laughs> times more expensive. Then, so so once that option becomes a sustainable choice for my restaurant, I will consider it. But right now, it would like not work yeah. for me. I wouldn't be able to provide the same service because I wouldn't be able to provide it in everybody's bag. Like, yeah. unless you want to pay for it. And then it's like constantly, mm-hmm. then it's not sustainable for you. Because it's like the price of your lunch keeps going up and up yeah. and up and up. So um, I've just been obsessed with like sustainability in the restaurant industry, whether it's like staffing. Mm-hmm. How do you keep your staff? How do you make this job for them sustainable? Um, how is the work-life balance? You know, constantly the restaurant industry has was difficult for you know work-life balance yeah and i'm just obsessed with this like it needs to be sustainable it's Mm. a it's a career choice for a lot of people it's a and it should be like it's a it's a fun industry to be in that's an industry that i chose there's a lot of people that i you know i work with and i'm like this person would be perfect for the industry how do you make that a sustainable career for them Mm -hmm. knowing that they're probably going to want to have a family and they want a life and they're going to go to weddings on a Saturday once in a while (laughs) and they're going to, you know, yeah, and they need to go out in restaurants on a Friday night to see how it is in other places. And how do you make that all work? And how do you make your mentality as an owner operator 
Um, yeah, it's okay. All right, you you want this Saturday? You you want to take that weekend off? Okay, we're gonna make it work instead of just saying like, no, like you're a chef, you can't <laughs> take the weekend off. That's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I used to work in sales mm-hmm. for years. I worked for Metro Mattress for like a decade, and Metro Mattress. Yeah, sleep superstore. <laughs> Uh, that was a, actually there's two points of that for the, so one, it's retail hours, your weekends, my weekends when I worked there were either a Monday and a Tuesday or a Wednesday and a Thursday. Right. Weekends, especially on a holiday weekend, you were working, there were no ifs, ands, or buts. There was no, like you worked. So for a decade, I was really used to that. I would tell friends and family, Hey, don't even think about inviting me to the Saturday hang or barbecue because I'm not going to be available and I don't want to have to turn it down. Um, and I'm getting kind of flashbacks to that now working at the bar, which thank God that'll be done in a month and a half, but Mm -hmm. because that's when the season's over at the farm. But like yesterday, Rebecca, who my wife's expecting and her, how far along is she? Uh, so she's due things around Thanksgiving. So, yeah. We're on the last trimester. Yeah. And actually, we have two other, one of her good friends and one of my good friends uh, are both all pregnant at the same time. (laughs) So, all of us are due within like a week. Nice. So, she went to her one friend's uh, um, baby shower yesterday, but it was Mm -hmm. like a co-ed, you know, uh, baby shower. and But I couldn't go because I was bartending. And I don't want to hire staff, you know, try and find somebody and yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, so yeah, it's bringing back like flashbacks to the sales, you know, working in retail sales. Uh, it's just not fair. No, it isn't. <laughs> and like, I mean, for us, I built this. Re- we built this restaurant knowing that we had a family and we wanted to have a family life, and that we're not going to miss another Christmas. Mm-hmm. Fuck that shit, <laughs> and. So my restaurant is not a restaurant that's open on Christmas, nor would it ever be. Like, it's definitely not that type of restaurant. It's not the type of restaurant that is a Thanksgiving restaurant, an Easter restaurant, a Mother's Day restaurant. We're open on Mother's Day, but... um, Like, I didn't want to be a special occasion place because... And I mean, like, that's that's each owner-operator's decision. But for us, I'm like... And I don't want my staff to work on those days. Yeah. I don't. Like, I would rather, like, and, you know, July, if we are open on some days, it's that our holidays, we'll do reduced hours, and we'll, like, ask for everybody to give us, like, a little block of time. Mm -hmm. Like, give me a four-hour window that you can work. Everybody, that way, like, you can do the rest of your stuff. Like, you can go to the club and party, whatever you do. Go to your camp. You have the time to do it. Um, But, yeah, like, I don't... I don't want to ask people to give up their life to make food for others. Like, you should be able to do the stuff that everybody else does, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, I don't, I'm trying to think of another unique industry where, um, healthcare. 
Yeah, probably healthcare. I mean, where it, it requires so much of those that work in the industry. Yeah. But there's also such little separation between the worker and the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, like in most, I, uh, I'm sure there are others, but you know, like there's so many comp- there's so many industries where the worker is so far removed from the people that own it that are making the profit. Mm. And even though in the restaurant industry there's not much no. profit. Right. Um, <laughs> But in restaurants, you're especially in an area like ours where there's so many independent restaurants, mm-hmm. they're right there next to them. Mm-hmm. And the gap to get from the worker to and to be your own owner is, in a lot of cases, minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's maybe too easy to own a restaurant these right. days. But uh, but that gap is really, really small. So I don't know. I think it's kind of, it, you know... If you find somebody who wants to be in the industry for life, like when they start out, which I'm sure you all probably don't get many of those no. out there. But if you if you find somebody that's like getting into it and I want to make a career out of this or I want to advance one day, I want to own my own restaurant. It's probably easier to to, you know, have somebody that's willing to sacrifice those all that time. And But I don't want them to. <laughs> that's my thing. Like, I don't want to teach that to people anymore like i don't want that to be the norm for the industry anymore like yeah it's always going to be a friday saturday night gig like right fair enough it isn't for us thank god but yeah you're gonna work on those days and that's cool but like hey i've got i've got a wedding that saturday i will not be there Mm -hmm. and that shouldn't cause the entire restaurant to collapse If one person is in there. Is that why you all opened up the style of restaurant you did so you could have that life balance? Well, I don't know that we opened it. I, the reason why we opened this restaurant, it was because the, it was not met. Like the need was not Mm -hmm. met in skinny Atlas. There was no healthy place. It was pizzas and hamburgers repeatedly in all the different locations and then there was one place that did breakfast, but they were completely overwhelmed mm-hmm. and the service was not ideal a lot of time for me. Which one, Johnny Angels or Hilltop? No, I'm not even talking. I'm talking grab and go. Like oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. Breakfast on the go, we're yeah. busy grabbing a sandwich and a coffee to go and stuff. Um, nobody had online ordering when we started. Yeah. We're the first one to bring it. Um, so I was like, this cannot, like this town needs a place where they can order online. And then obviously as we're doing that, the pandemic hit and like everybody got it. But like (laughs) when we were starting, I, we were going to be the first ones with online ordering and it was definitely a need, um, in Skinny Atlas and the need for something healthy, um, like healthy convenience delivered with accuracy (laughs) And like authenticity, like authenticity being like, I'm not, I don't ever want to be fake. So I'm never going to like fake smile to you, Mm -hmm. but you'll know that I'm happier there Mm -hmm. by other ways of me just looking at you in the eye and like (laughs) making small talk and whatnot. So like, I always tell this to my staff, like, I just, I never want to chew to be somebody you're not, but you need to feel, make people feel welcome. Mm -hmm. So be efficient, be accurate, and be authentic to who you are. And that was missing. 
lots of fake people. I'm just kidding. I love. <laughs> skinny, I love, love, love Skinny Atlas. So do I. Um, you know, my family uh, has, gr- we grew up when, when I was, you know, I was born and raised in Kentucky mm-hmm. and we moved, my dad's from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. We moved here when I was 13. Um, but when I was a kid living in Kentucky, we vacationed in Skinny Atlas. The Rinaldi family who owns like United Auto Supply. Um, they come in. I feel like that last name sounds familiar. They, um, uh, the dad who's now, you know, so my grandfather used to own a company called American Amusement. And back in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, I think maybe in the 40s, um, if there was a jukebox, a pinball machine, a cigarette machine, you had to get it from him. Cigarette machines. Yeah. Man. Yeah, those were great. Um, and uh, and so, uh, so Grandpa had money, and they had a place in Skinny Atlas, and at some point they sold their ha- the camps that they had, and they were renting from the Renales, who had, like, this beautiful compound. It was, like, five condos, and they, nice. they owned most of the point, um, Apple Tree Point, so a little over halfway down the lake. So, On the west side? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we used to always vacation there, like every year. We never went to Disney. We went to Skinny Atlas for two weeks. Uh, and so, yeah, I grew up on Skinny Atlas in the summers that way. And then when we moved here, uh, the whole family had bought back the old place my grandfather had sold and tore it down and built a new place. And now since then, they've sold that. But we still, my brother and his family and my brothers and their families and my sister, we all come up and rent a place in Skinny Atlas for at least a, ye- a week every year. I mean, I always say I'm from Montreal, right? So obviously, like, great city, yeah. lots, like, amazing food scene. Um, you know, I'm French-Canadian, so I can speak French there, which is great. You're French-Canadian? I thought you were, like, Swedish. No. <laughs> French-Canadian. My first language is French. Um, and so... Sometimes when I'm looking for my words, it's because it's not my first language. But um, yeah, so I moved from from Montreal to Skinny Atlas. And I always said that I think that the transition moving to the States would have been much harder if I moved to like Syracuse (laughs) or like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know where else, but Mm -hmm. um, or Auburn (laughs) and like moving to Skinny Atlas was like, oh, yeah. Like, this is... My people. Yeah. I don't know my people, because like I said, like I said, like, French-Canadian people are very authentic, I feel like. It's, like, part of who we are, like, very just, like, yeah, like, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I'm not, right. like, I'll be, like, who I am. Um, And then I remember my first interaction with somebody from Skinny Atlas, a very famous real estate agent over there, and... I was like, oh, my God, is that how people are going to be? Because, like, I was like, you know, like somebody that asks you a question and just is looking everywhere else. Like, they don't care what your answer is. Like, don't, like, let's not make small talk. We don't need to, you know. Let's just, you know, you got to ask me a question and I'll answer. You know, so that that was tough for me, like, initially. But other than that, like, just how beautiful the town is and, and everything and just. And now that I feel like we're part of the community, I would never live anywhere else. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Love that place. Love how it's a bunch of small families. Mm-hmm. You know everybody. 
if you're a certain kind of person, then you'll find your people, then other kind of people will find, you know, there's, yeah. there's different kinds of groups. Um, I wouldn't say that like, I have tons of friends, but I have a bunch of acquaintances. So Skinny Atlas for me has been like very welcoming. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be for anyone. Um, that's probably the toughest part about Skinny Atlas is you saying that as I've, I've thought, I'm thinking about it now. There's pro- like there's probably a great sense of community in Skinny Atlas, but there's also probably not much depth to this sense of community. Correct. Correct. Like, well. Everybody has a lake house, you know, if you're there, right? Like, Yes. Like there's not too many people that are like, you know. Uh, not too many situations where you want to like go hang out at your friend's house because it's in a better part of town. Like you're in fucking Skinny Atlas. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, a lot of people have a lot of money, but um, I thought you meant like it's hard for somebody that's on the outside coming in. Like there's not many ways to infiltrate. Well, both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because like the reason why I guess I've infiltrated Skinny Atlas is because of our business and because of my kids being in school. Yeah. So if you don't have kids, which we didn't from 2012 to 2014, and then your kids are babies, you're not doing anything until 2016. So for four years, I knew zero people in Skinny Atlas living there. Where were you all working during those years? Um, so... When my first job out of school, coming from Montreal, Mm -hmm. and I did my uh, bachelor in hospitality at l'Université du Québec à Montréal, (laughs) which is not fancy. (laughs) It just sounds fancy. (laughs) Um, Say chicken chicken is with that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way to translate that. Yeah. Uh, Was at Greek Peak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, yeah. So that was uh, an adjustment. Yeah. I, yeah the yeah, labor sure. pool was different. Yeah. Um, but I was actually a banquet manager for Greek Peak when I first moved here. And I was like the first banquet manager they, they had. Mm-hmm. Basically, there was no banquets before. There was not much banquets before I started there. Oh, wow. Um, we were just there for a wedding. Um, oh. The last Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, well, it's definitely changed, changed yeah, completely. <laughs> from the time up. I was there, yeah. yeah. Like, it was not pretty when I was there. Yeah. Uh, they had just, they, tracks, not tracks, yes, tracks, which is like the pizza place okay. on the ski hill. Yeah. That wasn't even built. None of that was built. It was still under the previous owner. So, um, so I, I, I worked there and then I worked at the Sheraton Syracuse University Hotel. Okay as a catering sales manager. And then I actually went back to Greek Peak as a food and beverage director. Okay. Highly underqualified for that job <laughs> at that point. Um, and then I worked for the OG, Olive Garden. And no. <laughs> um, although we like to shit on chains, yeah. and they are the best teacher for anybody in the, in the restaurant sure. industry. If you're going to own a restaurant, you need to work in a chain. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, the systems are in place. The systems are in place. And, you know, like, there's standards of of quality control that just don't exist in an independent restaurant. Like, whether you're trying to sound real fancy with your place, sorry. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you could do better. Mm -hmm. And, like, not having that. Some You're not going to learn that in school. I didn't learn that in school. I mean, like... Yes, you do like your serve safe kind of thing, but like it's not in practice. Right. You know? 
Um, and then like in, in the, the, the systems are just not in place. So anyways, I learned a lot, hated the job, but learned a lot there. Um, so I'm glad I did it. And then I actually uh, was pregnant with my second kid and it was killing me a little bit. It's called the ghetto garden for a reason. Like it was really <laughs> tough. It was tough. Um, I like I liked everybody I worked with though, but it was it was definitely like a difficult environment. Um, mostly because of the staff and the crowd that would coming in. Like very difficult family situation, and then they would confide in you, and it's like, how? <laughs> like how are you going through this? And it was like everybody has like the worst life story. Hmm. I was just like, oh my. God, like it's like really, uh, just sad, you know. Yeah. Like it's like, oh my God, and you want to help everybody, but you can't. I remember this one kid, super sweet, but he had like really bad depression, and mm-hmm. he never, like, you never knew which version of the kid you were gonna get mm-hmm. any given day. And sometimes he would just have to come in the office and cry for a straight thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. We said nothing. He just cried, and he's like, "All right, I'm ready," and he would just go back to work. Jeez. And he had like, cut, like, it was just like awful, but I learned a lot. Um, and then I, I actually went, uh, work in the white birch tasting room, which is where Good Eats and Steps is. So yeah. that's how we got the space. Yeah. Cause they closed down. So, yeah, it's amazing to me, uh, how many things haven't happened in the village of Skinny Atlas and, the things that haven't worked out. Like Creekside Coffee and the bookstore was my favorite business that maybe has ever existed. Agreed. It was, it it was like, I love that place. I used to go there. Hmm. So did Don every morning. And the change of hand was like, oh, that's too bad. And then like it just shut down after that. Wild. Yeah. Completely crazy bonkers that 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 business why do you think it didn't work out it it wasn't well, the business model it I, was how it was they were operating probably in a non-sustainable fashion so i've talked to I, I ran into years ago when i worked for bailiwick i did their social media for a couple months did you really yeah um our I, lawyer wanted us to be a bailiwick but really I'm not proud of how I handled the situation at Bailiwick, but uh, that's an off-camera story. (laughs) Um, uh, Anyways, actually, that's probably never going to tell anybody. It's not my wife's story. Um, (laughs) Heard that. that. um, So I worked for Bailiwick for a couple months, and they a very well, extremely clean kitchen, very well-run business. Mm -hmm. Nancy is knows what she's doing through and through. weekly meetings with all their department heads they didn't really give anyone space to not fit in like if you had a bad attitude you got a couple weeks to snap out of it and if you didn't you were gone Mm -hmm. um but anyway so one of the people that would often come into bailiwick was the former coffee roaster from creekside i forget his name and i'm sure he did more than just roast coffee but i had asked him i was like why did that place go under and he said i think it was the person who owned the building his daughter the person who owned the building's daughter Mm -hmm. watched the movie you've got mail and wanted to just desperately own something that felt like the shop around the corner from the movie and so 
And so it's like a tiny, quaint bookstore that goes out of business to a Barnes & Noble-esque place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. And so because she wanted to own a business and have that vibe, which is exactly what Creekside had. It was this perfectly gorgeous, comfortable place to go and shop for a book and get a cup of coffee and sit there and relax. And and it was a great, wonderful business. Mm -hmm. And like many of those places that are great and wonderful, they really only exist if someone is there to subsidize them because... Unfortunately, the traffic just wasn't there. I don't know that the traffic wasn't there. Was the traffic really not there? Mm. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I really... Yeah. I think I know. know. All of a sudden, like, there's, like, faint memories I'm having of the story being that the the person who owned the property died and something, but... Mm. And that's why, but I I don't know. I don't remember exactly. I just, uh, you know, a a business like that was perfect for Skinny Atlas. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was off the beaten path, you know, just barely, not really off the beaten path, but it was off from the main street, so you could park. Yes. Um, It wasn't overrun all the time. Uh, It had plenty of seating when the loft was upstairs before they flooded the whole place with the bookshelves. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember the seating upstairs. There was, they always had the seating upstairs, but there was like a year a year or two before they closed where they shut down the bookstore on the, across the hall and it would turn into like a yoga or event space. Um, and they tried to smash shelves of books on every floor. So all of a sudden, like what was this open area to stand and order your coffee was like, you might be waiting in line in between aisles of books. So I remember that. That's yeah. what I remember. I don't remember the bookstore across the street. Uh, oh, across really? the, the Okay. The, yeah, where the cake shop is now. Yeah. I don't remember that. So I probably came in okay. the last two years, and I did. Yeah. I came probably the last two years of that. And I was I was fine with the books being shoved kind of like in that space. Yeah. I thought that made nooks. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, so the original space, the coffee shop was f- much more open, more oh. seating, and the bookstore was on the other side. Um, hmm. You know. Yeah, there, there's a lot of those businesses that if they just had a few million dollars to subsidize, they could stay open. <laughs> if they didn't care about profit, because they are their only their only qualm. Or uh, if they offered, I don't know. I they just, did a lot. They did they did lunch. They did breakfast. And it was Creekside. good, right? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I mean, you know, I remember bagels from there, right? Because that's one reason why I was like, there's no bagels in Skinny Alice. I want to do yeah. like bagel sandwiches. And that's one of the reasons why Good Eats and Sips is just bagels. The only places to get coffee right now are breakfast. Well, besides now, uh, Clover's. But the only place to really get breakfast in the village is Green Mountain and you, right? And the bakery. Oh, that's right. I always forget about the bakery. Yeah. yeah. And the bakery, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I made a point to make it like I knew what the bakery was doing um very well you know like they do coffee and their sandwiches and a few salads and and whatnot um I just wanted like a different offering and like you look at our menu it's like nothing that anybody was doing Mm -hmm. in town like it literally brought what we didn't have in the town like and I was very we were very thoughtful about how we were planning. I'm like, no, like I'm not going to do bagel sandwiches on English muffin. The bakery does that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do pizza because yeah. next door does that. And Gilda's does that. And Mike's does that. And Moro's does that. And mm-hmm. Everybody else, basically. Yeah. Everybody else. 
does pizza. Uh, nobody does bowls. Nobody has a good salad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I just was very intentional about the offering. And it's it's hard. Like, it's not... <laughs> it's very... It's a difficult industry. It's a fucking... And Skinny Atlas <laughs> by... I mean, like, we had to struggle. I mean, there was is not easy opening in like the middle of you know whatever the pandemic and whatnot and just making your name and like constantly delivering consistency and I mean like you got to be there for a solid year delivering perfection in order for people to be like okay like all right because there's a lot of businesses in skinny atlas that's just haven't made a food wise yeah um and it was probably that, like, the effort that it takes to deliver consistently and creative, like, and bring different flavors to the, you know, just not be boring. Right. Constantly be evolving, but within your concept. Because you can't be everything to everybody. And I think a lot of restaurants, one in particular right now, that I love, but, like, you can't just be like everything to everybody yeah that's not the point of your restaurant you're doing this what restaurant i can't (laughs) i can't but i know that if that person is listening to that they would know that it's them because they really need to reel it in and i love them deeply and they do a very very good job but it's too much right now like what are we doing like is this like what like why is there five restaurant within one menu yeah and i know the person that executes it and i'm like all right um yeah (laughs) so we're back everybody um that makes sense yeah it's surprising like i'm surprised that the the place before them didn't make it i think is it it's not the same owners is it oh no okay Mm -mm. um and what was it before that possibility uh i was gonna say possibilities it was joe's pasta garage it was joe's but what was before that was it anything or was that the first restaurant in there that was the first restaurant i don't know there. i wasn't there but yeah. joe's pasta garage um and i don't know what happened there but um with joe's why they went out but yeah because it's like it's like what whatever yeah. yeah yeah so you can't be everything to everybody right and you can't you know we we get And it's funny because now Clover's is filling the niche that it needed for that crowd of people in the morning that needed a cheap coffee and a piece of toast that for two years we were kind of like forced to kind of accommodate and with pleasure. But it's also not why my restaurant existed. Mm -hmm. And so you can't be everything to everybody. And I was just like... Do you have sweet and low? Do you have equal? No, I don't. Nor will I ever. Like, do you have, I don't know, like some, it's like asking for mint jelly on like lamb. No, like we're not, like, no, it's not here. It's not for you. You will try something else. I know this is past, like, you're past the point of changing at this point, but like, I'm not here. To accommodate the entire world with their specific <laughs> little needs. Like, I'm here to accommodate people that that want some healthy foods with good flavors, uh, you know, serve quickly. Because they got a family. they got to go places. They're yeah. busy. You know, like, that's – I'm there for that. Right. I'm all there for that. Um, 
So when you start getting into the trap of like being everybody, everything to everybody, then it becomes unsustainable. For sure. And you're counting packets of equal to reorder. (laughs) And you're just like, why do I even have equal? I get, I do understand that. I understand what you're saying. And I I don't think that a restaurant should be everything to everybody. You know, a restaurant has to really figure out who they're going to be and then go after it. And the challenge with that for a locally owned restaurant, for an independent restaurant, is um, sometimes uh, they go with their personality, which... Mm -hmm sucks and is not marketable yeah um and and they just chug along Mm -hmm. and then other times they go without their personality and they just select they chose wrong like Mm -hmm. they chose the wrong thing like that restaurant that you're mentioning and um and then i think that's a product of the pandemic yeah it was like a lot of like we got to do to go Mm -hmm. right these things that we currently have on our menu are great to go like, they're great at right. catering out. So I think it was, like, a product of that. But now that we're kind of, like, past that point, it's time to, like, let's yeah. bring it back in, you know. And if you want to keep going with this particular uh, section of your menu, then great, but fine. I don't know. Like, it's really – I just care about them deeply, and that's why I – Yeah. I, and I know who executes all that, and, right. you know, I want them to have a quality of life. and. Yeah you know, like have a great time at work and not be overworked. And it doesn't need to be that difficult. Yeah. But you know, if you like really, all right, like what is our purpose here? And yes, it is hard to, it is hard to select, you know, like, cause you're right. It could be like an ego thing mm-hmm. where, you know, a restaurant or is like all about, I know what's best yeah. and I'm going to only serve that. I think part of it, it's it, part of it in some cases is ego, not in this one. I think, no, it, I definitely think, not. Yeah. Yeah. I think another part of it is just ignorance, you know, people who, um, and I don't know. think it's that either. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I think it's it, just a product of what happened the past few years. They're just kind of stuck. In well, and, and the pandemic with, in regards to the pandemic mm-hmm. and, and people still having that pandemic mindset, the, the, the mindset that they have is, I need to grab every dollar that I possibly can. And yes. if that means that And I'm, that is exactly what's happening there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and there's a lot of places that are still doing that. They're showing up at, you know, they're doing things that they, the events and things that they shouldn't be doing. They're tossing out new menu items that aren't on brand and all that kind of stuff. And you see that all over the place. And I hate that. Why is Panera serving pizza? I mean, like, I'm glad <laughs> because like my kids will have that now because I go to Panera so that was my one of my first jobs ever. Mm-hmm. So even though Don says that it's hospital food, <laughs> I have like a special spot in my heart for Panera. Mm-hmm. But like, why are we doing pizza and chicken sandwiches? Yeah. No, no. Take that off. Like, why do we need that? Like, you guys have a yeah. great concept. Like, why are we doing this? Like, it's frustrating to me. Like, why, <laughs> why are we doing this? But I'm sure the pizza sells well because whatever. It fills that need. But right. um, yeah. Being everything to everybody is hard because then you lose sight of what you be why you're you wanted to be there. Um, I remember when we first started, somebody was like, "You should do gluten free pizza." I'm like, "I should not. <laughs> I should not do pizza like that. You should do milkshakes. You should do this. You should do that." And that was like in the time that we were not that busy, you mm. know, and we didn't build our clientele. And it's really easy at that point to like 
via spaz and start doing everything. But I was like, no, I'm going to focus on the things that I want to do that are needed. And I know they're needed because I'm not that special and I have that need. So there's a bunch of other moms and dads out there that just want good food quick you know that is not gonna make them feel like shit after eating it like I knew I had something there because then again I'm not that special therefore a lot of people must have the same needs and you know it's really easy to get distracted with everybody throwing ideas at you which is really not helpful but sometimes it is but yeah so basically you gotta stick with your gut I think hopefully your gut is right um and like is it on brand because mm-hmm. for don and i good eats and sips was always like we're gonna grow yeah it's not meant to be like a sole operation it's like building that brand bringing building the core menu items working on how fast we can put them out or how well we can put them out and there's always like one lady is like do you guys make your own oat milk no no, I'm not making my own. I've got I've got two kids. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be there 500 hours a day to make my own oat milk and go, you know, do you have your own garden where you get? Mm-hmm. No, like I'm like I got like <laughs> I'm a person too. like, can we just like not expect everybody to be everything? Like, I'm not I do not I'm not in the milk making business. I'm not in the. <laughs> gardening business i'm not i'm here to make you your food and for you to feel welcome when you come in and to deliver that to you accurately hopefully and in a timely manner and i want you to feel good about eating it mm-hmm. but no i'm not gonna make you know like and there's a don is because he's a chef a lot of times like we could make this you know i'm like i know <laughs> I know we could make our own this, our own that, our own this, but it's like you got to pick and choose like what is going to be really how are okay if we're going to grow right. Like he wanted us to make our own boba. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not making our own boba. It's like it's really easy. Like you just drop some juice. I'm like okay, <laughs> and who's going to drop the little things? Because it would literally take hours. I think I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't. But it's like you got to pick and choose. I, I was just sitting. I want to do a reaction video to this podcast yeah. with Don. So film him watching this and then responding. So. Uh, that would be hilarious. Don, you're going to listen and watch this. And I, I'm very serious about wanting to do that because uh, that would be hilarious. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. There's like, there, there are, you know, probably the, the mindset of a chef is to. I can make this better. Yeah. And I can like. And it's true. Right. Okay. I know that Don can make a better, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that he suggested we do. Boba is the first thing that comes. I'm sure we can make better bobas than the bobas that we're buying. Yeah. I'm sure. Sure of it. It's just, you got to, like, let's let's focus on our sauces mm-hmm. and make really badass sauces. I think that's going to make the biggest impact versus, yeah. like, the boba. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. or let's make our own, <laughs> you can make your own everything, but it's like, you got to focus on what's our core purpose here. Freshness, flavor, 
like yeah. where are we going to get the most like sauces and you know. I have a feeling this is a conversation that you two have had often. Um he he just often says to me, <laughs> "You know we can make our own X Y and Z." And uh, and then immediately and that it makes him mad. It makes him really mad. But I'm like, "Yeah, we can also, you know, like do all this stuff but like it's not like we don't have time for that but like, it wouldn't take a lot of time to do this i'm like okay but like we got two kids <laughs> we, got, we got like we gotta have days off and yeah you know and he's right like yeah can you make a better kimchi probably mm-hmm. but the asian market has a great kimchi for the amount that we use yeah you know like we're not like selling kimchi like Right. I, I, I think like FLX tables, FLX table and the, the chicken place they have on the corner there. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Uh, FLX Frybird. Yeah. That, so the the guy that runs it, one of the chef, I can't think of it, I think Gary. Anyways, he, he was telling Don a few, I can't remember how long ago that he was making like buckets and buckets of kimchi. Like, mm. yeah, if you're like at that point, that is like an impactful choice to make yeah because kyle has figured out a way i forget what he did he does something something with like brewer's yeast or something i don't know the exact the specifics of it but kyle uh figured out a way to make kimchi in like a day or two days um uh or immediately i forget which but they do something with yeast in it to like speed that process up i forget what it is but um that's awesome yeah and i'm sure he uses quite a bit of and i think that yeah they use a lot of it like we use kimchi basically right now just as an add-on. It's mm. not in any of the bowls as a base. Like, we've used it in the past um, on specials. Like, we had a K-Punch bagel. It had, like, kimchi and mm. like, avocado, QP mayo, something crispy in there. But, um, you know, so anyways. Yeah. Basically, the point I'm trying to make is that Yes, we can all make everything from scratch, but we also have a life to live (laughs) and we're not everything to everybody. And I know that making almond milk and oatmeal is pretty easy. You can do it pretty fast and I get it. And I'm like, but also, also I can buy it. And if it becomes, you know, if it becomes an issue, which is another, you know, thing that we have to worry about on a daily basis distribution yeah constantly being interrupted if it's that like don wanted to make our own sriracha and i'm like here we go like <laughs> like because there was an issue with distribution of sriracha oh uh, was there oh yeah huh. i don't know if it's fixed now right? he's like we're not gonna have sriracha anymore yeah it's going away <laughs> and that's in like literally all of our dish i'm like well if that happens like because we use sriracha way too much but like i love uh my wife does the um, does the same imp- like you know like you're doing the impression of don which i know you are and i'm just like i'm being triggered because my wife <laughs> my wife has the same impression for like her dad as she does me <laughs> and so like all i'm thinking is now i'm just thinking of like this reaction video has to happen Don's reaction video to your podcast. Um, and no. mind you, Donald is, just, he's, and Don has worked in like a really, like a lot of really high end restaurants. Yeah. How long have you two been together? Since 2008 when Michael okay. Jackson died. 
that was the summer we met. Okay. <laughs> so were you in Dallas with them or Fort Worth? So we actually met in the Bahamas. I was okay. doing an internship um, at Club Med and he was like the chef there. Okay. So we met there, and then after my internship ended, which was like the summer, he moved back with me to Montreal, uh, which he didn't really have his papers for. So then he moved to Texas, and okay. then I did a semester abroad <laughs> in Fort Worth. Uh, so that was an unfortunate spot to do your internship <laughs> abroad, but it, you know, we we were together, and actually Fort Worth was a great, you know, city for us at that at that time yeah other than the very religious peer pressure that was like coming out of there which was crazy but i lived in colleen texas which is like two and a half hours south of fort worth yeah uh i was there 2000 i think 12 13 14 15 somewhere around there oh, okay so yeah yeah we were there like 2008 to 2012 okay so four years. Yeah. Um, and he was, you know, Eddie V's, which was amazing. Mm. And he was the, he was like a white coat chef there. Yeah. Like I, he never, like he would come out of the kitchen, like his jacket was like white, you know, and like <laughs> then, you know, the casino and mm. he's worked obviously like a lot of restaurants around here and stuff. And he has, I think like for him opening good eats and sips which obviously he's not working the, with the same labor pool pool right. he's used to like i mean we're getting 15 year old kids like yeah. straight out of like we are teaching these kids how to like live their lives right. at this point like and um hmm. being able to relate with that crowd he's told me like it's difficult for me like i feel like i'm a dinosaur you know i feel like i'm not like, it's harder for me to relate because I haven't had to deal with staff that was this age first and inexperienced. Mm -hmm. And you can't put the same amount of pressure, yeah. you know, on somebody that's literally right 15 years old, yeah. 16, that was born at your prime clubbing years. <laughs> and, you know, that... Were you a big clubber? You no, can't I, just, that. <laughs> I just... The other day in the kitchen, they were playing like this, just like... Cash out, <laughs> Katy Perry radio. I'm like, these these songs, children, were <laughs> in my prime clubbing years. Are they still not? Are they, are they still not very popular? <laughs> these are well? irrelevant yeah. right now. <laughs> they're asked. No, That's they're just, funny. it's it's just funny because like, they were literally born in 2007. <laughs> and here I am like, wow, that is like when I used to go out with a fake ID. Like, yeah. How were you born that year? Um, <laughs> but no, I was not a big clubber. But clubs existed in Montreal, and yeah. I would go out once a month. Yeah. Not a prime. Like, I never went into raves and stuff like that. Yeah. I think Don had a more crazy upbringing than I I was pretty tamed. But Well, Don was born and raised in a kitchen, so that's why. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And he <laughs> was definitely, like, a fish fan and yeah. hippie. He had, like... The stories he tells me, I'm like, you're lucky to be alive. <laughs> like, how did you survive high school and early college years is mind-blowing. You should be dead. Yeah. Like, you should literally be dead. But um, yeah. it's a lot calmer now. He went to seed stock this weekend. And okay. He's pretty tired the day after. <laughs> Just like... He's like, yeah, everybody was kind of like done at <laughs> one o'clock, you know? And I'm like, like, how late did you want to stay up? Like, uh, two kids at home. But that's pretty funny. No, I was not a prime <laughs> clubber. It, it just, it came up because like, 
like people will be like, oh, this is vintage. Like, and it's literally like cash on. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> she said it was vintage. Or like, I saw this girl one time and she was wearing like this hideous top, whatever. I'm like, great. Coming back in style. Can't wait to see that shit come back. Like, just like trash, pure trash. And she's like, yeah, it's vintage wet seal. I'm like, you did not just say that. You did not just say vintage wet seal. Oh, that's hilarious. There is no such thing. As, no. <laughs> there is not. Uh, but anyways. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So the kids, you know, yeah. they keep me young. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Because out there, I mean, that's, you know, who you're pulling from, right? Yeah. But yeah. I love, like, we're so lucky to pull from such great families. Yeah. You know, like they're all good kids mm-hmm. and they have such great attitude and they're driven. And you know, the kids you're working with today will literally change the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's one kid that works for us, Max, will be a multimillionaire mm-hmm. someday. Like, just like so nice, so like just so smart, so clean, mm-hmm. just like perfection. And like, I feel so lucky to pull from that so that's why like expansion for me would have to be in a city where i can work with that kind of labor which is yeah when you think about it i mean i I basically you can you can now if you go west if you like you know follow the finger lakes yeah well that's what don he was like i want to have one in each on each of the lakes or whatever yeah so pick like the best kind of like communities and then offer that mm-hmm. you know and i don't know much about aurora would probably be next i don't know there's a lot going on there like no there's another place people keep telling us there's like a creperie there yeah oh geneva not or not not geneva um there's uh oh what the hell is the name of it but that place yeah people t- keep telling us you should open there Canadaigua. There you go. Canandaigua, people tell us all the time, you should open there. And I don't know anything about it. And I'm going to have to go check it out. But It's like the skinny atlas of the 585 area code. Yeah. I'll open in every skinny atlas of every town. Yeah. You know, like of every lake or whatever. But because I want to be able to work. I think it's also an important part of people's lives. Like you remember your first job. Right. In high school. I mean, like I was at, well, not Panera, but like. I worked in this coffee roaster for four years. That's the longest mm. job I've ever had. <laughs> Seriously. I've never worked for more than four years in a place because I've tried so many restaurants. And, like, wow. I want to be that for a lot of people, you know, like, where you learn, you know, yeah. how to be an adult, basically. It's like your first in the real world. Like, mom and dad ain't there to, like, bail you out if you make a mistake and learn responsibility and learn how to like you know it's like it's i i am happy to to teach that to the kids that work for us so Hmm. um and be that person for for a lot of them but tell you right now like (laughs) they're they're lucky because like i know they're gonna go in the real world after and they're gonna be like oh that's what a real restaurant (laughs) feels like (laughs) because we worked really hard to keep the vibe up because like I told told you before, like working at Olive Garden, like moody people. Yeah. Moody. Like just bad attitudes. And it's hard. Like it's hard to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. 
And now I, I have like zero tolerance for just like that attitude that like mm. shitty, like, like you can think stuff in your head and be frustrated. Um, you can get frustrated. Like I definitely do. Uh, they did memes about us. The kids did. Uh, you should see the, the one about me. It's literally, it's a golden retriever. This is Marie every day. And then there's like a rabid wolf next to it. And it's like, this is Marie in a rush. And it's basically like, when I'm in a rush, like I'm a little more snippet, but like. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, and there's, there's one about Don and like the phone ringing. Cause he's like really intense. Like if the phone rings more than once, like. He, like his eye starts switching and he's like, oh. <laughs> like he's really intense about the phone and I get it. Like it's important and stuff like, but it's like a trigger point yeah. for him. It's frustrating sometimes too. Like they'll just like be around the phone. Like, should I get that? <laughs> like, yes, yes, you should. And it's like a guy peeking around the corner. It's like Don after the first ring of the phone and whatever. I don't know where I was going with this, but anyways, that's okay. Yeah. This is gold for Don's reaction video that we're going to be doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is, uh, working out at Abbott farms, um, at the bar out there, they, they pretty much exclusively hire, uh, teenagers mm -hmm. and that's a challenging business. I mean, the agrotourism as it's officially called is a gold mine, especially in an area like ours. Um, but, uh, they just have not figured it out out there, unfortunately. And, um, it could be a gold mine. They just keep making really dumb decisions. Um, but they hire exclusively teenagers and it is wild to think that there's like 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 and 19 year olds. I mean, there's kids that are there that are 19 that have worked there for like three and a half years mm -hmm. and to kind of see, you know, just how all of them respond to things, um, uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of removed from it because it's like a separate entity, the bar from the farm, but it's all in the, this big building. And so like seeing and hearing these kids respond to stuff, um, you know, it's, um, it's wild. And I'm just like seeing their mind work, you know, like, like, what do you mean? Like, how is it like, how are they responding in a way that makes you. So most of them are, you can see that they're still children because like, um, and they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. There is a kid, there is a guy who came in uh, two days ago, or the other day, and he was looking for, wanted to pick a very specific variety of apple. And he had gone outside to the shed where he's supposed to, like, buy his apple bag and figure out the variety. And the person, the kid that was out there, the teenager, didn't know he was looking for Cortland apples, where they're not in season. And so, and this was a day when... They had five of their teenagers just no show for work, and it was on like a busy, busy, busy. How did they Saturday. no show? Um, uh, yeah, that's not okay. They're just that the. the let, me, hold on, let me mark this down <laughs> real quick. Fifty-seven, fifty-eight, cut out. Uh, five. All right, we're back. Have you um, have you talked to anybody that's doing like non-cash adjustments on their checks? Um. Like who's charging the fee? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, every most restaurants today are doing it. Yeah. That's we were thinking about doing that. Yeah. Um, the things I'll say is, do you work with Bud Laura at all? Or do you know who he is? I don't know that. Bud Laura owns a company called Restaurant. Don Rest knows. He don't. Okay. Yeah, he told me about it. Yeah. 
I would just, I mean, you're already with toast. Yeah. Um, so ask Mora and then ask, you know, ask Mora first. Mora's not with toast anymore. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Mora Bradley? Yeah. She's not with toast anymore. Oh man. What? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Do you know? Um, I, she, I, like, I think she just kind of like was over it. Oh, that's, I mean, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, that I mean, she, she comes in to get coffee once in a while and, um, wow. Yeah. She's like, I'm not anymore. well, I knew that cause Andrew is our friend. So, um, I had learned that from, but yeah, more or less. I call her. Yeah. But she, she was taking the summer off okay. and now she was like looking into like what she wanted to do. Yeah. Kind of like that moment of like, all right, like I'm yeah. done with this. What am I going to do? More as a phenomenal person and salesperson and yes, relationship absolutely. builder. And yeah. wherever she lands, I'm sure she will succeed at. Um, and whatever company gets her next is going to be very, very Eat fortunate. Yeah. If I had the money, <laughs> you kidding me? I would, there's, I would love to hire somebody like that. Yeah. No, she's um, great. She's very personable. And, and yeah, that, she's authentic. Yeah. That's what I like about Mora. Right. Because as much as a salesperson, I cannot relate to anybody that's salesy. Mm -hmm. And she was never like that. Never. She was just like always like, I don't know, like it's your friend, you know. Right. And she's telling you about this thing that's going to help you. Yeah. And that's how all salespeople should be. Yeah. So she is very talented. She, I hope she stays in sales or relationship something. Yeah. Yeah, whatever company gets her next. Oh, shit. I wish I had money. I would. I'm going to call her. I'm literally going to call her after this. Um but, uh, yeah, we almost went with toast at three one fried and we only because of Mora mm-hmm. and I called her and I was, you know, and the reason we didn't go with toast is cause they were really expensive for everything we wanted to do. Mm. Like it was okay. Hey, here's the monthly fee. It's like, okay. Can and we, then this and then, and then online ordering yeah. and then marketing and then right. QR codes at the table. We just got rid of that because yeah. nobody was doing it. And then, of course, literally the second you get rid of it, the people start using it. I'm like, whatever. They haven't used it all goddamn summer. They haven't used it in the <laughs> fall. They haven't used it in a year that we've had it. And, like, yeah, I'm done with it because it's, yeah. I mean, it, it was literally one person a day, maybe, that was mm. using it. And it's expensive. Yeah. It's expensive to have. And, like, the same thing with the marketing to sell like marketing emails first like i don't know how many people open them and then it's really expensive so i might be getting rid of that but we wound up going with spot on so limp lizard was had gone with spot on as we were talking to toast Mm -hmm. and so the spot on it was pretty much all of the same stuff that toast does except it wasn't hey that's 50 and that's 100 and that's 75 um most of it was just included and then the thing that really cinched it for us was the company that owns the rights. There's two companies that own the rights to sell spot on in central New York. Mm-hmm. And one of them sucks. And one of them's really, really good. We okay. want the one that was really good. It's like two fathers and two sons that run it. And Zach, the son sat in our restaurant, the entire dinner ser- service of our first night open. That's what you need. Just in case we had a question or something happened. I could text him on any Sunday and say, Zach, this just happened. What do I do? And he would fix it. Either he would log in and do it, or he would just give me the instructions. Yeah. Um, so for that, I was like, well, that's as good as gold. Like, I could pay twice as much, and it would still be worth it just to know I have I mean, Zach. I'll, say, I'll say this. Like, Toast is 
is great and yeah. all, but like, and it's, I haven't like the, if you have a question, yeah, you better buckle up. Yeah. Cause like you ain't getting that answer any time right. soon. And then when you get to the phone on like my first language is in English. Okay. Mm. But I can communicate in English pretty clearly. Right. But I felt a lot of time that mm. when I was calling there, the, there was a language barrier mm. that would make it difficult for us to get to the resolution of what I needed to do. And I'm like, that's where your language becomes a barrier to like, to, to like your job. Like I'm right. like, and you're not understanding what I'm saying. And like, I, I am completely like, you have an accent all day long. Like, I don't care. But like, like it was hard to communicate right. what I was trying to explain. So that was difficult. I haven't had that issue in a while. That's good. Um, so that was really frustrating at first. And then like our first day they had set us up with like extra time, Mm. extra like time with the person that was like supposed to be there, but like they were definitely not on premise and like there was a lot of things wrong. Mm. So that like, that was tough, but he was there. We had him for four hours instead of two. Gotcha. And, uh, and like at four hours, like, see ya. Like definitely like he was done. Hmm. And he's like, you can now talk call toast customer service. Hmm. Um, but as far as like the KDS, um, that's been huge for us. Yeah. I don't even know how we were doing tickets before. Yeah. That would have been like not manageable this summer. Right. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, we experimented with a few different things when we first opened, we experimented with, uh, because we do like we're trying to do a lot with DoorDash and Grubhub, mm-hmm. and so we were we experimented with a company called Otter, which yep. like gives you one, and it just wasn't working. Yeah. And then we experimented with another company, third party that like integrated with our spot on, and so we didn't need any tablets. Everything would just show up. If you ordered on DoorDash, what was that? Uh, I forget the name of them. Hmm. Um, we only did it for like a week because the kitchen if you place an order on doordash the kitchen would get the ticket but the counter wouldn't get a ticket they would just all of a sudden if they looked they would see that there was an open order so we just went back to the tablets which kind of sucks like chow now uh it wasn't chow now no it was like a weird one i hadn't heard of before but they integrated with spot on okay so we just had to download the app and then it was fine but um in theory it was great but in functionality it wasn't what didn't work out for us so but I don't. We don't charge a credit card fee at Three One Fried, but Limp Lizard does. And um, in some ways, I, I completely get it. Like a lot of restaurants. I mean, listen, that's three percent, four percent. Apple Pay is like it's four percent. Yeah. And we do a lot more. So, in some ways, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's tens of thousands of dollars, if it not is. more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a salary or two, right? Yeah. Um. But I get it. Right. I don't want to, like, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, and then they have, like, I went to Rise and Shine. Right? Yeah. And then I saw it for the first time there. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Because, like, my check was not, like, $12. You right. know, it was, like, a big check for a family of four. So, like, then it's more impactful. Yeah. And I just... I just basically listened to a podcast and they were talking about non-cash adjustment and the fact that and the punchline was like, stop raising your prices, consider this instead. And I think we're like capped at like, we 
we price our things the like it costs this right. to eat that yeah you know that's the amount of like nobody's fucking like a millionaire behind this like right. we should see our house like yeah. <laughs> just like the cheapest house in skinny atlas that's us <laughs> you know like and um you know nobody's making nobody's getting rich on the back of anybody you know right. what i mean like this is a very honest business that we run and we price our things in a sustainable manner to pay our staff our kids are paid you know minimum wage with yeah um tips and that we share the tip throughout the entire mm. restaurant kitchen included and then our non-kids we want to retain, you know, and like we want to pay them in a fair wage that makes them able to live their lives right. and make this career something that is sustainable. So, I mean, like that fucking costs money and we don't want to serve you shit. So um, shit, not shit food doesn't cost like it costs money. So yeah. the price is what it costs. Like we had one person complain about the price of our one of our dish and it has shrimp in it and we use good shrimp we mm. don't use fucking crap shrimp and that's the cost like i'm not like that's the price and you know whatever it's yeah. it's like I, I get it like we're kind of like at the top tier of like the price we have to charge like very you know transparent with that but like then how else do we make up the incredible price like i mean a bag of frozen berries at costco a bag of frozen berries at costco is 18 dollars mm-hmm. 18 dollars <laughs> a five pound bag yeah 18 dollars i mean i buy it at costco it's 8.99 yeah so that's why I go to Costco so much and I kill myself going to Costco every goddamn day, which <laughs> I'll be going after this. <laughs> Who keeps calling me? Um, so, yeah. Anyways, that's just the yeah the life. So non-cash adjustment I was considering because it's it's interesting, but I don't – I feel like how are you transparent with that, you know, and I hate – to discourage people doing online ordering right. because I, it's 85% of our business. You know? Is it really? Oh yeah. We're like our restaurant. Most of the time, there's not a ton of people sitting in it. It's all online. You get a, like you look at our shelf, like our to go shelf. It's packed. That's for like, that's through your online order. And that's not yeah. through like Grubhub or anything. We don't have skinny Atlas doesn't have Grubhub. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if like Auburn tricked over or anything. They never did. Mm-hmm. Never have. Like we tried to, uh, like I've, been in contact with them like a year ago but yeah they were never like willing to expand their territory which is dumb because they would make yeah a lot of money i think the bakery wanted to get on like with grubhub too that's why they went on toast mm. um after we did and we we thought if enough people were on toast then we could probably potentially get you know them to come in skinny atlas but we did our own delivery for a while mm. which means that i would work from open to like four and then don would call me at like six and be like we're so busy we got like all these deliveries so then i'd pack the kids in the back of my car and go deliver a bagel to like a millionaire's house and i was like great so yeah we're done with delivering on our own so that was that was tough but it was needed yeah in the time that we did it 
we thought about starting a delivery company in Syracuse. My my dad back in the day in like 2005, six, seven, started a company called Takeout Express that was just local delivery. It was really old school. He had a driver. You can only phone orders in. Um, you know, it was back when Ambrosia was open in Syracuse. But um, we thought about we talk, Nick and I started talking about it before the pandemic. Mm. About like why hasn't anybody done that? And we started to look into it. And then right after the pandemic started, I started to look into it even more intently and figured out how to do it. There is a the the biggest your biggest obstacle would be having the software that automatically triggers everything. So order placed, restaurant gets it, driver gets it, customer notifies. There's a software. technology. Yeah. yeah. There's a software I found that does it, and it's like 600 bucks a month for the software. It's Mm -hmm. great. Um, Your next biggest obstacle would be finding drivers and making sure you have drivers that are available, which I don't think there's too much of an issue with that anymore. There's Grubhub and DoorDash. We don't really have issues, but... My idea for that business was to create a co-op with local restaurants. So you would need one person really to run that business and you'd have to get your drivers and all that kind of stuff, but they're 1099, but you would need one person with a decent salary to like really run that business for you. And, but restaurants could get in, not charge delivery fees, not take a cut of deliveries from customers and if you had 20 restaurants all on the platform, it would cost them like 200 bucks a month to run that business and have a local delivery option. And during the pandemic, I thought about it for a second. Like I put everything out. I contacted a couple big restaurants and I was like, hey, here's the model. I don't have time to be involved with it, but it would work if, if you guys want to start it and I'll kind of advise it and nobody really wanted to had jump into that, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that would, I feel like something like that would work, you know, if you could, you'd have to really would, manage I mean, I think you could definitely do that in Skinny Atlas, some kind For of sure. like, because like with all the restaurants that there is, like, yeah. and everybody would want delivery. Yeah. Especially if you were just open, like really in the summer, mm-hmm. you know, summer and fall and even Skinny Atlas. I mean, hell, you could, you know, open from like two to seven or two to eight mm-hmm. and kind of be good. You really wouldn't have to do anything crazy. We really wanted to do like jet ski delivery yeah. to the cove. I'm like, yeah, it'd be so cool. Yeah, I'm like, think of how many drivers we can get for that. Yeah. All those rich kids like on their jet ski. Yeah. You bring your own jet ski, your own entrance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised no one has ever started a party boat or a boat that like sold food on the lake out it's there. It's any atlas. Yeah, but can they really? Can yes. they? Can they really regulate oh, yes. the water? Yeah. I mean, I know the village sucks, but... They, they can regulate you to, like, the color of paint you use on your door. <laughs> yeah. So they can definitely regulate their pristine water. Yeah. And that's why we'll probably never be jet skiing delivery. Drone yeah. delivery, though, we looked into, but... Yeah. Um, that's funny. Yeah. Because hmm. our friend has a droning business and stuff, so... Oh, really? Yeah. Scan drone. And hmm. she's like, I want to be a... You know, like, you're talking about that that it would be cool but yeah Hmm. well thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah it was uh it was great yeah i'm um excited for don to look at i know don i'm i'm gonna look right at this camera don i mean this let's schedule the time you come in we'll film your reaction to this podcast Great. We should have done that with you with Don's podcast, but yeah. uh, I don't think Don talked about Don. Don, 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 Don did not do any 
impersonations of you in, in his episode. So they are uh, all done with the most hard fouls. Yes, I, there's no um, evil and malice no. intended. No. Uh, well, yeah. everybody, get out to Skinny Atlas. Check out Good Eats and Sips, and bring your Eat Local New York card because they are one of the participating restaurants. Indeed, we are. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. there it is everybody thank you so much for listening to the podcast really appreciate it make sure that you subscribe to our channel podcast whatever platform you're listening to this on and i do want to give a big special shout out to our sponsors for the podcast pascal's wines and liquors out in fayetteville pascal's liquors in liverpool and uh, pascal's over in erie boulevard also to barfly mixology gear Uh, both those companies sponsor our cocktail content and just great companies to work with so, yeah, make sure you follow us over on YouTube and our TikTok channel where we put out all of our cocktail content and blogs and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. We're going to catch you back here next week on the Eat Local New York podcast. Mm-hmm.